first Bible reading is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, which is found on page 671 of the Pew Bibles, or it's on the screen. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For, as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Mark. The second reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 2, 1 to 20. This can be found on page 1071 in the Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to, marry, to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see these things that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, 
they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mark. Now, boys and girls, tell me, are you stressed this morning? Anyone feel stressed? Not the boys and girls. And that's because us who are older parents, we are bigly, deeply stressed this morning. So much on, isn't it? Well, it is Christmas Day, and I want to ask, how are you feeling about Christmas Day? What's going inside you today as we celebrate Christmas? We woke up this morning, so many things to do, so many things to organise, so many places to get to. So how do you all feel about the rest of this day? Anxious, relieved, at peace? Well, you see, that's one of the words that's often used to describe Christmas. It is about peace. But I wonder whether you feel peace this morning whether you feel peace inside of you, in your heart of hearts, are you feeling at peace? Because we talk about it, we write about it in our Christmas cards. You see Christmas cards, peace on earth, peace on earth, let there be peace on earth. We speak about peace all the time, but do we feel it? Especially today, when it's meant to be about peace. And of course we also sing about it in our carols. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. But I wonder whether that is what you feel inside you today, in your heart of hearts, peace. Well, I suspect many of us are scrambling around, still at this point in our mind, in our hearts, just scrambling around. Will there be enough food at Christmas lunch, at Christmas dinner? Will there be enough food? Will they like my food or will they secretly just spit it out? Will, will the family... Will they get along with each other? Uncle Bob, Auntie Betty, will they like each other? Or will it end up in some chaos like last Christmas? Will they fight? Will, will they like the presents I got for them? I, I thought a lot about them. I, I, I spent a lot of effort and time at Chasm thinking, what shall, will they like my presents? Or will they secretly return it on Boxing Day? How are we feeling at peace today? Does peace describe your Christmas? Now, one author, Toza, an American author, he once said this, Christ came to bring peace, and we celebrate his coming by making peace impossible for six weeks of the year. He came to help the poor, and we heap gifts upon those who do not need them. Now, I wonder whether that describes you. It's meant to be about peace, but it feels like peace is the last thing we're thinking about or experiencing but maybe this Christmas, it is indeed peaceful for you. You know, the public holidays, the celebration, the days off. Maybe we do sense, maybe you do sense a sense of peace. But I'm sure you would agree with me that as we look around the world, there is not much peace at all. Peace doesn't really describe the situation and the state of our world today, does it? It's perhaps why... Many of us, and I do, avoid watching the news during Christmas time. Why is that? Because news is often filled with bad news. Occasionally we'll get you know, the cat that was saved from the tree, and that's good news. But that's about it. 
I mean, just yesterday we heard of that, that tsunami in Indonesia. And so the reality is that it is a messy world. It is a broken world. Where's the peace? There are still so many homeless who walk the streets of Melbourne. In Australia, in fact, there are over 116,000 who will remain homeless on Christmas Day. There's no peace for them. There will still be many thousands who will still remain hungry on Christmas Day while many of us will just overeat. There is no peace for them. Today, of course, our services, the police officers, they still have to work. Why? Because there will still be crime committed today. There's no peace for them. And many of our doctors from our church, they're still working today. Why? Well, there's no peace for them. You see, we live in a troubled society. There's no peace for so many. And around the world, we still see war in Afghanistan, Iraq, the conflict still going on, the Mexican drug war is still going on for decades, the Syrian civil war. There's no peace for so many. And if we really do allow it to sink in, to reflect deeply on that, the situation and the state of so many people in this world, if we let it sink in, it should, in fact, break our hearts. Now, of course, it's better not to think about these things, particularly on Christmas Day. But if peace was declared and promised by the angels that first Christmas, like what we heard in that reading, what did they mean by that? And so when we read on that first Christmas night, the shepherds are out in the field just minding their own business, taking care of the sheep, then suddenly a company of angels appeared to them and announced, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. Now what did the angels mean by that when they announced peace? What was it about the birth of Jesus Christ that would bring peace to this world? You see, it's saying that Peace to this world is bound up with this child born on that first Christmas. And so could it be that the angels knew something of the shepherds and their personal life? Maybe the shepherds got an insight on their life and, and they thought, well, these shepherds, they don't have peace at home. That's why they're doing the shift work. They're out of the home, away from the nagging wife and the kids who are driving them out. They have no peace. Maybe that's why the angels knew that and announced to the shepherds, well, there is peace now. You see, the household was probably chaotic. The marriage is no good. The kids are strange. Could that be the case? Or maybe the angels, maybe they just, they were mistaken. Maybe they just got it wrong. They were meant to say something out and not peace. Maybe they just made one huge mistake and promised something too big to be true. Or could it be that the angels, what they meant by peace, was nothing more than the, you know, the hippie peace of the 60s. You know, peace, just a greeting. Peace. Could it be that? Well, what did the angels mean by peace and peace coming with the birth of Jesus? Well, what the angels meant by peace it's not simply how we often think of peace. You see, what is it that comes to our mind when we say peace? What is it that comes to our mind? Well, I suspect for many of us, it is John Lennon, peace. Remember his song, Imagine? 
I mean, that's, that's what comes to our mind when we think about peace. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion too. Imagine order people living life in peace. You who? <laughs> you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Man, it was very hard to not sing that, but I, I constrain myself. Now, that might sound good, doesn't it? That song, Imagine, it was so famous and it's still very famous. No wars, no fighting, world peace. Now, who wouldn't want that? But you see, even that song falls short of the peace the angels promised. You see, the peace that this baby Jesus brought at Christmas was greater than even that song. You see, the peace, the word peace in the Bible, it means not a nice, calm feeling of serenity, but it means completeness. It means soundness. It means fullness. It means wholeness. And so what he's saying is that it is taking something that is broken and restoring it to perfect harmony. And so when we use the word peace in terms of relationships, what it means then is that it's not just that there's no more fighting and conflict and hatred, but what was broken has been restored. There is now reconciliation and unity and joy. And so what it means then is it's not just enemies who stop fighting and hating, but it is enemies becoming friends dropping their guns and holding hands. That is peace. That is wholeness. And we, in fact, got a little glimpse of this. We, we do get a glimpse of this in the world, but we got a nice glimpse of this in 1914 during World War I. Do you, do you remember what happened on Christmas Eve? Only five months after the beginning of the war, when the British and the German soldiers, they were just killing each other along the trenches of Belgium and France. Thousands were killed. But then on Christmas Eve, do you remember what happened? Now, I don't expect you to, but you probably weren't alive then. But what happened on Christmas Eve? The soldiers in their trenches, filthy, cold, wet, they started to sing Christmas carols. They laid down their arm, uh, arms, their weapons, and they even ventured on the no-man's land. The German and British soldiers, they exchanged gifts and souvenirs and food and cigarettes. They even played soccer with each other. These were enemies. This is a photo there. They shook hands in celebration of Christmas Day. Roughly 100,000 soldiers were involved in that truce in the, at the Western Front. Enemies shaking hands. You see, that's, that's a sense of peace, completeness, wholeness. But of course, did that last? It didn't last. They went on killing each other. That peace did not last. But you see, the peace the angels declared is greater than that. It is better than that. It, it, it's not that we only have wholeness, completeness, fullness, not just with anyone, and not just nations with nations, but with God Almighty. Peace with God Almighty. Peace with the one who breathed life into us, 
Peace with the one who holds our life and our eternal destiny in his hands. Peace with him. That was what the angels declared. It's the most important peace ever. It's the peace, like what we heard in the children's talk, it is the peace that will last forever, unlike that Christmas truce of World War I. Now, why is that? Why is this peace so important that you want, that I want, that you need, and I need? Well, do you see what happened to the frightened shepherds when the angels appeared? You see, in verse 9 we read, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. You see, they only got a little glimpse. They're not even seeing God there. They're just seeing the angels. But yet they got a glimpse of the majesty and power of God. And how did they respond? They were excited. They were happy. They were joyful. No. They were terrified. They were terrified. And that is exactly what would happen to anyone who would come face to face with God. But then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. You see, if even confronting just angels, they're just mere creatures of God, created by God as his servants and slaves, if only meeting them would terrify them, how do you imagine it would be to confront the God of the universe, who is infinitely more powerful than the angels, who is absolutely pure and holy? You see, it is this God we need peace with. It is this God who we are all accountable to. Whether we like it or not, this God made us and we are accountable to him. Our eternal destiny is in his hands and that is frightening. When one day we have to face this God, all our deepest, innermost, darkest secrets completely exposed before this God. Every careless word we have said, and we've all said some, he will hold us accountable. Every evil thought we've ever imagined or thought, we've done some, he will hold us accountable. And every thoughtless deed we've done, we've all experienced, done some, failed, fallen, he will hold us accountable. And so how much more frightening, terrifying to confront not the angel of God, but God himself. Who can ever stand before the God who made us with perfect, absolute power and say, I'm innocent, I'm all right, I am good, you should accept me as I am. You see, if you were to ever feel completely vulnerable and absolutely terrified, it will be when one day you face God. Unless, of course... I already have peace with God. If I already have wholeness, completeness, fullness with God, that I know that God is for me and not against me. That is why it is the most important peace. And that is why it is the Christmas we have to have. God is not only infinitely powerful and absolutely pure and holy, He's also wonderfully tender and graciously loving. And again, C.S. Lewis, I've been quoting C.S. Lewis over this month in this Christmas series. He tried to capture this terror 
but yet at the same time this tenderness of God. And he tried to capture that in his, in his wonderful book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia series. Now there's this one scene where Lucy, the little girl, asks Mr. Beaver about the lion, about Aslan. And she asks him, is he safe? And how did Mr. Beaver respond? Well, he said, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. You see, Aslan there is a picture of what God is like. You see, God is not safe, not safe at all, because he stands in judgment over us. Not safe in any way, but yet he's good. He's the king. He's also very good. And it's the Christmas we have to have because this God has come down to us in his son and he brought peace with him. He brought peace with him so that we can have peace with God. And what did God do? Well, John Lennon, you know what he went on to say, how you might get peace in this world? He said this, If you can imagine a world of peace, if you can imagine the possibility, then it can be true. Now, what do you think about that statement? Just imagine it, and it'll happen. I mean, that's, that's very optimistic. In fact, it's really just rubbish. It's not true. You can imagine what you like, it won't happen. But what God did was true. It was in human history. He came down, no imagining it was for real, because his son Jesus Christ came into this world, the creator, into his creation. The king of glory descends as a baby in a manger. And he comes to us and he says, I will bridge the gap between you and God. I will restore what is broken in you and restore you back to God. The peace I have, I give you. And how did Jesus do that? Well, you see, the angels hinted at that in that verse. They said, Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, what is that saying? What did it take for Jesus to grant us peace? Well, it required him to be the saviour, the long-awaited saviour of the world. And this saviour, he grew. And this saviour also died on a Roman cross. That was what it took. But why? You see, it's a price for peace with God. It required his death to pay for all the wrongs in my life to bear all the punishment I deserve before God when I meet him one day, to fix all the brokenness that is in me, to restore me to wholeness, to completeness, to fullness with God. And that cost Jesus his life. That's what it meant for him to be called saviour. We don't just throw this word around like it's meaningless. It meant that he died for us. And so Christmas, you see, it is meant to be about peace, and it is about peace, but peace with God Almighty. But now do you notice that this peace is not for everyone? We like it to be for everyone, but it is not for all. Not everyone gets it. Notice what the angels sang. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men and women, 
humanity. We like to think that's every single individual, all of us. But you see, that's not what the angels said. They also said, on whom his favour rests. Now, on whom does God's favour rest? Who gets to have this peace with God Almighty? Well, do you notice what the first angels on that first Christmas announced and who they announced it to? They announced it to shepherds. Now, that is interesting. That might not strike us as normal and usual, but it was unusual. You see, the shepherds, they were the outcasts of society. It was filthy and dirty work. They were not allowed to go near the temple because they were dealing with blood and it's just messy work. They're doing the job that their owners did not want to do. They were considered the bottom of the Palestinian social ladder. They were even unable to bear witnesses in a court of law. And why is that? One scholar notes that the, sh- the, shepherds, the shepherds who buy wool, to buy wool, milk and a kit from a shepherd, it was forbidden. Their witness was not allowed in the court of law because it was on the assumption that it was stolen property. And so they were on the fringe of society. They were not liked. They were doing dirty work. So why did the angels appear to them first? Why appear to the shepherds and not the rulers, the elite of society? Well, it was simply because that's the way God works. It is grace. God is the God of the weak, the needy, the sick. And God extends his favour to the undeserving. You see, no one can earn God's favour. And the shepherds highlights that. They did not earn it. They couldn't. It is by grace. It is free. And we read in the Gospel, Jesus came not to save the righteous, but the sinners. It was not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. You see, those who are considered amongst those who receive peace are those who recognize that they are undeserving before God. And what that means then is that it could be you. It could be all of you if you do come to God and, like the shepherds, recognize that I am undeserving. I don't deserve anything. I'm broken. I need healing. I am sick, I am a sinner. And so that peace can be on you. And what did the shepherds end up doing? They rushed to meet their saviour. And after they saw their saviour, they were the first evangelists, the first one to proclaim this wonderful news. They knew, I'm so undeserving, but now I believe. And so in verse 20, they, they said this, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they have heard and seen, which were just as they have been told. And so God's favour, God's peace can be on all of us. If you believe this Jesus, if you know in your heart that I'm a broken mess, but Jesus has come to fix me up, what that means then is no imagining, but it is for real. It is for real, and we can join in with the angels and sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. If we believe that, we can sing it with full joy, knowing that we have peace with God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favour rests.
Will you have peace this Christmas? Well, my prayer and our prayer is that you will have this real peace with God Almighty. Let's pray.